0: all right outro three what'd you say two one Why <laughs> are you counting so slowly though what do you mean we're getting we're gonna record the outro now so yeah. i'm just trying to get you know get us in the right mindset
1: okay okay i feel now i thank god you did that i was in a totally <laughs> different mindset before but oh, now- you were hopped up you were excited now I'm in outro. I'm in outro mode. So. You're, you're
0: there. You're there.
1: Yeah.
0: Hello, and welcome to Talking Too Loud with Chris Savage. I'm your host, Chris Savage. I'm joined by Sylvie LeBeau slash LeBeau <laughs> slash something. Slash. 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 Sylvie Just call me slash. Slash. slash.
1: Just call me Slash.
0: You're here. We're doing it. Another episode.
1: Another up. Ep. Yeah. Another up. Look at us.
0: Look at us. Not in person. Um, Not in person today. Back to Zoom. But it's nice we've had a few in person and a ton remote. That's been nice. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mixing
1: it up. We're mixing it up.
0: Well, speaking of someone who knows a lot about remote working. Hey. um, Hey. There we go. Today we have on the show Ben Orenstein, who is the host of the Art of Product podcast, a weekly show about building software companies. But he's also the co-founder and CEO of Tuple, which is an app designed to help people program together remotely. So he has built a business. He did this before the pandemic um, to help engineers pair program, which means like use their keyboards on the same screen remotely, like highly efficient way of doing this. So he is kind of like a kind of an expert in this uh, in this regard, I would say.
1: Kind of a remote aficionado. You a little know?
0: bit of a remote aficionado. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's funny. I mean, we get into this in the show, but like, you know, I've known this guy for 11 years. That's yeah. insane. That's insane. But yeah, it's a great interview. Really excited to have him here. So fun. Got into a lot of hot topics, a lot of uh, emotional subjects. So we have that waiting for you. But first, what's getting you emotional, Sylvie? What's got you talking too loud right now?
1: Oh, man, what's getting me emotional? That's a slightly different question now, Okay, isn't it?
0: You don't have to answer that. You don't have to. <laughs> let's let's keep, it, let's keep it safe here. What we, <laughs> let's what keep we? it safe.
1: Let's keep yeah. it safe. Um, what has got me talking too loud? Did we talk about how you gave me a guest pass for this training out future? Have we talked about that I yet? I don't think so. So you gave me a guest pass.
0: That's so nice of this- me. Yeah. It was
1: so it was actually so nice of you. Um, I had to copy this... a
0: link and text it to you. I really did. Well, this
1: time. <laughs> I, I felt honored. I just want you to know okay. I felt honored. Okay. So you gave me a guest pass to this training app that you've been using throughout the pandemic. And I have like since COVID since I had COVID. I've been like a little like I don't know about exercise. Like the asthma's real. Can I run? I used to. I used to really love running, but I've been doing this for about a month. I am uh, working with a coach, Coach Emma. Coach Emma. That's weird to say. Great. Yeah. I don't ever call her Coach Emma. I call her Emma. I call her M Dog.
0: (laughs) Is that real? Do you actually call her M Dog?
1: But I am gonna send her this episode and she's okay. gonna be like, you what loony are you Tune. Yeah,
0: yeah. But
1: it has been it has been freaking amazing. It's like it's just such a it's a phenomenal app. It's a phenomenal app. Yeah. Emma is the best, super motivating, but also like just a real a real one. And uh I'm getting stronger.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. And why do you I mean, when it's funny because I have this exact obviously I've been using it for a while, I have the same experience. Like it's yeah. an amazing app and it's an amazing experience. And people are like, What is this? Like, well, it's got videos of workouts on it and it's got like a plan. And it doesn't, it's it's hard to sell it properly, I feel like, it I know, because it seems like you can get it somewhere else. Yeah. It
1: does. It does. But I'll tell okay. So for me, the difference is obviously having a coach mm-hmm. who's like checking in on you, you know, accountability. We meet, yeah. Right. Like we have we have FaceTimes every couple of weeks she's like you know i can ask her a question she's yeah. like there whenever i need her <laughs> she's there whenever i need her she's really um,
0: kind of filling in some emotional needs for you i think
1: no it's it's just <laughs> been i've used i've used other training apps yeah. like i've used the nike app and this just feels it feels like i'm connected to another human That's and awesome. that feels really cool yeah.
0: yeah so
1: blessings they now they have me as a member i signed Boom. up yeah, Future has got me talking to you loud.
0: That's so great. I'm so glad that you love it. I'm so glad it. that it's working. Yeah. You know, having a coach on anything is Yeah. It's like undervalued, I think. Like a it lot really of people, is. Yeah. Like if you think about like an athlete, it's obvious. Like of course you have like a coach. You know, and often you don't have one coach. You have many coaches. Especially right. if you're like professional. Like they're helping you with all these different things. And then we walk around wondering like what am I supposed to do? Who do I ask questions of? Who's my mentor or whatever and like there are now things like future where it's like, Oh, you want to coach for like how to get stronger or faster or sleep better or like whatever. Like right. you can get somebody who can help you do that. It's a combination of software and service, but it's, it's just, it's very cool that we're at that stage now versus like if you had to find a coach before, what would you even have done? I don't know. Yeah. Me either. I think, and that's, what's so cool about it. It's like, it's so easy it just, like, helps you connect with someone who's, like, not in the same physical location, right? Like, it's, uh, like, before this, you would have needed, you know, that personal trainer in person. But now... Now? Now it's now it's remote-friendly. Now it's through an app, which is... Do I smell a transition coming? Oh, we have a transition here. <laughs> just like what Ben from Tuple has been building yes. to help engineers connect with each other. So, on that note, I think we should transition right into the interview. Ben, thank you for being here. So good to have you on the show.
2: Dude, I'm so excited. I was very pleased to get the invite. I've been a listener before and you and I have been friends for a while. So it's it's great to have a chance to chat and let a bunch of people listen to it.
0: Yeah. And it's funny. I was thinking, I was like, when did we first meet? When did
2: we first meet? do you remember when i do actually and this story is kind of ridiculous so i feel like i sort of have to tell it yeah
1: tell it tell it (laughs) all right so
2: i mean this is probably nine years ago or something maybe 10 years some crazy amount of time
0: i Um, i was looking at my email and it looks like it was 2010
2: okay so 11 years ago (laughs) damn it i was sandbagging all right so 11 years ago i met brendan at uh, a Ruby meetup, I think. And if I recall correctly, I think you, you had no other like engineers at Wistia. I think Wistia was like three people or something. Yep. and we,
0: if, Or we had one. We either had... Okay. Yeah, either there was one or zero.
2: Yeah. So this is the super early days. And Brendan and I hit it off a little bit, and you were looking to hire an engineer. Yeah. And I thought you guys were cool, and so we started talking, and we were kind of like batting the idea around. And at one point I was talking to Brendan and he said something like, yeah, we were going to hire this guy that we liked a lot, but he wanted like $150,000 a year or something ridiculous. And <laughs> <laughs> in my head, I went like, oh, wow. Wow. I didn't know you could make that much as a software engineer. <laughs> so, like, I think I was making like 70 or something. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, well, like, I, I also want that. <laughs> and so, Me too. Yeah, exactly. So I think we like started like chatting a little bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that's, that's also my rate. I also, yeah. uh, uh, st- <laughs> in, in a very standard way, make that much money. And so I think that, that fell apart at that point and i <laughs> <laughs> i sort of regret that i that felt i mean kind of stupid in retrospect um i could have gotten we've all the done it floor we, yeah but we've it was all done that, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah and then we went to we went to out to eat and stuff and we were trying to make it happen we went to east coast grill and got like the spiciest food on earth basically it was really good do you remember do you remember that too not not as much because <laughs> i think from from our side that was like one of the first times we ever like tried to like recruit someone Uh by taking them out to like what we thought of as like a fancy dinner. So we're like, Oh, it's fancy, but it's like, it's really spicy. You're going to love it. And I remember you being (laughs) like, okay, like cool. And then we ordered like way too much food. Um, There's just like no way anyone could finish it and just like stayed up super late. And we're like, do you think that worked? And then, yeah, you're like, I think I need to make one fifty or something. Like, okay, (laughs) I guess, I guess this food won't overcome that. (laughs)
1: Wow. This is a good story, right?
0: Yeah. We yeah. have we have history here. Yeah, We
1: really do. Okay. Yeah.
0: but so look, obviously, I I know, thank you for listening to the show a little bit, and I know you you know what we're about. We like to start by hearing like what's got you talking too loud right now. What's what's got you fired up, Ben?
2: Hmm. You know what's got me fired up is the rotary over by Tufts. The rotary. The rotary. The rotary. <laughs> All right. So I care <laughs> a lot. Say more. Say more. I care a lot about road <laughs> design. <laughs> okay. So like, have you always cared about road design, or is this like? uh, It's kind of yeah, it's sort of a passion. So like, speed limits are actually not really effective. It doesn't matter what you put on the sign on a road. What matters is how you design the road and how that makes people that are using the road feel. Mm -hmm. So if a road is like wide and has no obstructions, people are going to drive fast on it. You could try to enforce a lower speed limit, but it's just not going to happen. And so if you make the road narrower and add some obstructions and let people park on it people will notice that it is more dangerous and drive slower naturally uh and so like i there's some life metaphors in there you know but uh <laughs> <laughs> there's this rotary near my house and so i love a rotary so rotaries are great so if you have an intersection at a road <laughs> I love, like, this is the best us? i yeah. love a rotary yeah. yeah i love a rotary <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I this is like a personal mission. All right is to get more rotaries in the world. So if let's say you have an intersection, and Mm -hmm. like two roads are coming together. And so you go, Oh, yeah, we should put a stoplight there, obviously. Well, a stoplight is great, except it relies on like basically perfect coordination. So when it works, it's fine. But when a stoplight fails, and someone blows through it, it's really, really, really bad. Right? So the failure mode is catastrophic with stoplights also it can be really tricky to get the timing right actually like it seems like you would be able to just figure out like oh this one should be this long and this one should be this long but like what about when it's rush hour versus 2 a.m and what about when traffic patterns change over time so a stoplight kind of requires this like precision and perfection and has this really terrible failure mode a rotary and just to be so everyone knows what a rotary is right it's like those circles help us understand
0: what's a rotary yeah yeah. so
2: people call it traffic circles people call it roundabout so rather than like a t coming together you got a circle in the middle and when you enter this this is critical when you enter the circle you have a yield sign you don't have to stop Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if the people if someone's in the rotary already in the circle you have to stop and wait for them but if there's not you can just keep going so, rotaries are amazing because, first of all, you don't have to set anything. It naturally balances itself. If there's more traffic at one side, it will just naturally sort of filter out. And so, you don't have to get the timing right. You also don't have to pay for electricity to keep the light going. You don't have to repair the lights. These are all amazing things. But, so, so it reduces congestion. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sylvia, you love this. I
1: love it.
2: Yeah. I love it. I love it's it. so good. I love it. It's so good. And so, it reduces congestion. And the failure mode for a rotary is a very minor fender bender, where someone sort of has an oblique collision with the sides of their cars, and it's totally fine. So if you replace a stoplight with a rotary, the fatal accidents at that intersection fall by 75%. Whoa. Whoa. That's wild. (laughs) That's a stat. Yeah. That's a stat. Right? Yeah. And so (laughs) rotaries have got me talking way too loud. (laughs) <laughs> wow. Have you thought about like, you know, really
0: taking this as your your mission and just like dropping everything else and just like advocating
2: I mean, city planning and rotaries? I'm right here. This is like the start of my my campaign. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you heard it here first. Right here. Uh, 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 I'm talking too yeah. loud. So, wow. it's,
2: so, 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 yeah, I'm almost done with rotaries. So just as a data point, there was a intersection on Martha's Vineyard that had a stoplight on it. And they actually tried for months to get the timing right, but they would get these really weird traffic jams. Like you would be at, you'd, you'd be driving on Martha's Vineyard at like 10 p.m., and you would come upon this traffic jam, basically, at this intersection. And they just kept trying different timings. Didn't work. Didn't work. Finally, they just gave up and swapped it with a rotary. Traffic problem's gone. So back to the original thing. There's a rotary near my house, which is the worst rotary I've ever seen. Because at the edges they put stop signs. Mm. Which is not wow. how you rotary. Stop, you gotta signs. Yield. stop you gotta sign. Stop is, sign is the natural enemy of the rotary.
0: Yes, mm. you gotta get rid
2: of those stops. There's also a blinking light in there and it will sometimes go red. So there's a, a there's also a traffic control in the rotary. Oh, also what are you just, doing? Oh boy. It's That's- just like yeah. What are you doing? Just messing up doing? with something like that. That's oh,
0: that's that's horrible. It's,
2: it's an abomination. Are you out
0: there like picketing? Do you have like a sign? I
2: like, don't remove well, so,
0: this stop sign. Just ignore it.
2: Yes. Every time I went through this rotary, I would feel this like subtle sense of anger and disappointment. <laughs> yeah. And disillusionment. And then I found out that the city of Somerville agrees with me. Wow. And they're, all, and they're reworking the rotary. And they're taking out the stop signs, and they're taking out the traffic control, and they're going to make it a normal, beautiful, natural rotary.
1: Look at this win! What That's a win! That's amazing.
2: Yeah, you Love willed it. it into being. You, will, you willed <laughs> yeah. that to happen. Your anger <laughs> fuel, yeah. fueled you,
0: and it, it made the city of Somerville pay attention to this.
2: I should. You're right. I, you're right. I should definitely take credit for this.
0: Yeah. I well, we're going to give you the credit. I don't think anyone's ever talked about this on a podcast <laughs> like this before. So I'm pretty sure definitely you not. are the one, Ben. Um, right. So good job. Thank you. Speaking <laughs> of other things that you willed into being, can you tell our listeners what Tuple is? How you got started?
2: Yeah, totally. So uh, I co-founded a company called Tuple about three and a half years ago with two friends of mine, and Tuple is a uh, an app for doing remote pair programming. So sometimes programmers want to collaborate on code in real time, and I would be like, "Oh, hey, Chris, you're an amazing programmer, and you wrote this part of the system." Can you, like, work with me while we're making changes to this so I can kind of have a live, we can do sort of live feedback and collaborate on this code? And our app lets lets programmers do that while they're remote. So you can kind of think of it like uh, high-powered zoom screen sharing uh, with remote control. So if you want, rather than you telling me, no, no, Ben, like, move that line up here and then change that comma to a this you could just like take over control and start doing stuff and controlling my computer as if you were sitting at the keyboard and mouse with me.
0: So it's like it's instantaneous. And, and like you and I are looking at the effectively, we're looking at the same monitor mm-hmm. but with two sets of keyboards.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
0: so the idea being like, you could literally finish my sentence
2: as I'm writing something. <laughs> yeah, sure. Or, or draw a little diagram on the screen while you're writing something, that sort of thing
1: does it take some getting used to because I imagine I mean maybe it comes naturally to programmers but like I remember an IT guy used to like remote into my computer and I would always be like whoa Mm -hmm. what are you doing there's a ghost in my machine
2: some people actually do report like the first time someone takes control of their computer they feel a little bit like oh okay uh it can be a, a little bit unsettling I think
1: but then they find a rhythm
2: yeah. So like there's different styles of pair programming. And, and a lot of them boil down to who is going to have control when and how will we know to swap control back and forth between people.
0: Was this a uh, super obvious idea to you to do this? <laughs> like, how
2: did, you, how did you know that this should exist? The origin story is this. Many years ago, probably around when you and I were chatting, maybe not quite that long ago, there was um, an app that I used to use for this that I liked a lot called Screen Hero. It was a, good, a really good version of this kind of tool and somewhere along the way screen hero sold to slack and unfortunately that like acquisition merger or whatever didn't work out quite how everyone thought it was going to and so what it basically amounted in was screen hero getting shut down and none of the goodness being preserved so there was this period of time where screen hero was gone and i kept asking friends of mine like what are you using now and no one had an answer it kind of just kept happening where i was like it seemed like there was this thing that was good and we all liked it and now it's gone and there just hasn't been a successor yet and so i started talking to like people that might use it friends of mine and they were like oh yeah that'd be amazing to have something like that back and so eventually i was just like i feel like i have to do i feel like i'm going to kick myself if i don't take what feels like a pretty clear opportunity to me I
0: mean, for somebody listening who's thinking, I mean, our our audience is like entrepreneurs, investors, creatives, basically. Mm -hmm. And for those entrepreneurs or those or those investors or those creatives who are thinking about like starting something, I think a lot of people feel like they have a really good idea. And then they they can't decide like, should I actually do this? Like, Mm. is this worth all my time and attention? And I think, you know, I'm certainly guilty of early as a whiskey. I thought this was going to be a very short run and it's obviously been the exact opposite but how do you think about like bridging that gap what advice would you give to somebody for when they see an idea that seems good Mm -hmm. um actually saying like i want to commit to this i want to do this
2: so i sort of only have like a handful of data points on this but i'll I'll tell you what we did and what i think was kind of useful so one thing that actually helped a lot was i reached out to one of the the co-founders of screen hero and said hey i'm thinking about doing this thing can we talk to you about this and did a call with him and he was like, yep, you should totally do it. There's still a market there. This is a cool idea. Like, it's still a good idea. I think it's still useful. It's hard, but you can probably pull it off. So that was really useful to get like a validation from an insider person. I also did a lot of pre-sales. Like, so, so we had actually sort of decided to take the plunge. So my co-founders and I, we all quit our job. And so we were, this is a li- maybe a little bit past that sort of initial decision point. Yeah, But to sort of confirm that we weren't doing something totally crazy and wasting our lives and money while my co-founders were coding i was trying to get people to actually pay us for software that didn't exist yet okay so i would go to those friends who said they would be excited to have something like this and i'd be like yo we're doing it do you want to be one of our early customers and i actually got people to pay us money to like commit to being a customer for a year like i was doing annual contracts with these folks and literally charging credit cards that's amazing so this is a great book that i think people should check out called the mom test uh, which is like how to validate your product idea when everyone is lying to you. Which because, is a classic
0: problem that your network.
2: Yeah, yeah your network wants to get,
0: give you the positive reinforcement. Your friends want you to feel good, and so it's a classic, classic problem. You tell people, "I want to do this thing." You up. Yeah, and they're just they they can't bring themselves to tell you this sounds horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. Like,
2: exactly. Yeah, and that's what that's like where the mom and the title comes from is like, how can you validate a product idea with your mother who wants to support you? What's a way to do that where you're filtering out the noise of people's desire to make you feel good? And so one of the things that he stresses is like, get people to to make a commitment that requires something of them beyond just like, yeah, that sounds great. I would totally use that. And so for us, the ultimate version of that seemed like, well, let's charge them like non-negligible amounts of money uh, and get them to commit to being a customer for a year. And if they do that, we're probably not like totally off base here.
1: Yeah, and and you're being held accountable. Like, yeah, yeah, you gotta, yes. You got to make the
0: thing.
2: That's that's true. Yeah, that's that's true. And I would tell people like, look, if we we're, we think we could make this, if we can't, <laughs> we'll refund your money. But like, I think yeah. we're gonna. I think we'll do this.
0: How long was it from when you got those first pre customers or customers to pay before you were able to like hand them a product?
2: So I was sort of selling continuously. So it varied across the customer base. But the, it was basically nine months of development before we had an alpha in people's hands.
0: How did you handle that? Like, what, how, did, how did you get those folks to, to stay committed?
2: I mean, I think we just told them what was going on a lot. Okay. So we, we built Semi in public, but we were sort of extra communicative with these early people. So we had a waiting list of, of folks who had like entered their email. And then we had a, a list of people that had actually paid us money. And we would just email this group maybe once a month or so. And be like, here's a screenshot of what we have so far. Or like, oh, here's the status of this. And, and here we think maybe we're targeting this date roughly for, for a launch.
0: That's cool. It's funny because it, I hadn't realized this part of the story. But it, it's almost like Kickstarter. In that like, yes. here's an idea of a thing we're going to do pay up front. My experience, though, with many Kickstarters, I used to fund a lot of stuff that would just like show up like five years later. Yeah. And it would be like already done by some other company. So I'm glad that didn't happen to you. Me too. (laughs) Yes. Fortunately, I think.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I think bits are a little bit easier to uh, make happen than producing a bunch of atoms. And so you started
0: this, obviously, a few years ago, and remote work is happening, but it's not Mm. a requirement. What What has the ride been like with COVID and like forced remote work? Like I have yeah. to imagine it's been insane for you guys.
2: It was totally insane. Yeah. So, so we had a number of like customers that were like fairly large company like uh, Shopify is a, is a big customer of ours. And I think when like around when COVID started, they maybe had like one or 200 people using the app somewhere in there. And then Shopify said, all right, everybody go home uh, and work from home as of now. And for uh, remote, Uh, code collaboration we're going to be using tuple we already have a license go use this and so like our shopify team went from like 200 to like (laughs) 2,000 in like like 36 hours or something and that was happening across the customer base like that like everything just blew up so like our number of paid seats basically like quadrupled across the customer base in like a handful of days wow um so like a bunch of stuff broke as you might imagine yes (laughs) yes. because you know suddenly the the infrastructure couldn't handle it um, but we got it all sorted out, and basically since then the growth rate has been you know it's not like there are a few crazy months where the the business blew up, uh, but even now that's returned to more sane levels the growth rate is still like at least twice what it was before just wow. because there's so many more potential customers.
0: That's incredible. But how how big was the team when you're going through that? I mean, I'll just say from our side, you know, we saw similar, not the same scale, but we saw similar things happen, of course, and. It was like, all right, hold the line. Don't hire anyone. Don't fire anyone. And then it was, oh, my God, like, overages are going wild. Signups are going crazy. And we had to start hiring people to like manage that. Like, What was that process like for, for you all?
2: Um, we were a team of three.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was the three, the three we founders. We got a good laugh. We so got a good yeah. laugh there. At that point, we were still uh, working out of uh, one of my co-founders' second bedrooms in his condo. It's a good place so to work. Classic, classic startup life, um, and like you know, cooking our own lunches to save money and all that. So it was the early days, uh, and so it was kind of just us to to dig out of this thing. So we did hire a couple people like pretty shortly after that. But even even today, we're actually um, as of next week, we will be six people. Okay. So we we've we small sort of all still yeah still yeah small. you're keeping it tight yeah yeah I think we've always sort of trended in that direction like we kind of like the the benefits of of being a small team and like there's I could certainly I can see like positions I could hire for for sure but I'm sort of in favor of the like keep headcount kind of as low as you kind of can without like harming the business um, but I don't know my my philosophy is is in flux around this right now we'll see like maybe I'll look back on this and regret like restricting us us that way but so far it's been it's been kind of nice to be a small team
1: what do you like about it just curious
2: the communication overhead is lower Mm -hmm. um the payroll is lower it makes the business you know much more it's like there's a lot more margin to play with whereas like we're not in danger of not having enough cash flow we know everyone pretty well like like there's there's a chance for the culture to kind of like seep into and be affected by a new person and have that kind of stabilize and be be good, and, and then like we can add another person to that slowly.
0: Yeah, and you've come from larger organizations. I mean, like how big was Thoughtbot when you left?
2: Thoughtbot was like 115 people, but spread out over a handful of offices. Kind of like our office was maybe 30 people.
0: When you're in a spot that you're making this decision, because it's such a critical decision of like, do you want to grow the team a lot or not? Do you want to like, you know, spend down to you know neutralize? Your burn or go negative or whatever like it's a it's a hard call. it's because it's like you're trying to predict a market and then if you have more people, will it make a difference or not? And I do think that a lot of the a lot of people actually skip over the spot I think that you're at, which is like the gelling small, like unbelievably committed, huge amounts of trust. And mm. I peep that what I feel like at that stage, like there's someone you can, everyone can be doing the work of which would normally take like 10 people if you get it like really zeroed in.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. And, and I, I read um, No Rules Rules by the founder of Netflix recently, and they talk about talent density um, and like how great it is when everyone that is there is really excellent and how that can have this kind of uh, compounding effect or interactive effect. Because everyone looks around and is impressed by everyone around them, and it lets and it like can like be more productive than having more people, but maybe you've like lowered the, the quality bar a little bit uh, to hit that headcount.
1: What about do we have talent density right now? I think we do. I think we're pretty talented. <laughs> <laughs> Just gonna.
2: Well, we were able to get Zoom working today. Yeah, yeah. Record, we, we nailed that. So that was, that. Good. That was yeah. good. The density on um, this call is pretty solid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So obviously, you're in this amazing spot. Like the market changes dramatically. You already have, you know, the customer, some of the customers that you, you know, Shopify is going from 200 seats to 2,000. But you're you're able to solve this like discrete problem that people didn't know they're going to have, right? Like how do you help engineers work together really well, like pair together when they're working at home in different places? But so many other things were obviously disrupted. Um, and one of the things on my mind is, like, singing, right? Aren't you a big mm, singer?
2: Yes.
1: What?
2: Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I've been, I've been singing pretty much my whole life. Um, I've been part of some sort of singing ensemble since I was probably six or seven. And that's, like, my most enduring hobby and passion. And that was actually really tough. So I sing in a chorus in Boston called the Tanglewood Festival Chorus, which is the group that sings with the Boston Symphony. And that has been like an incredibly fulfilling musical experience. And of course, that that shut down until recently. So so just recently, actually, last night, I went to a chorus rehearsal for a different group. But it was like just, just singing with people again in public was like really wonderful. But yeah, it, like this outlet of mine was pretty well gone uh, for the longest it ever has been. Losing that was, was, for me, that was one of the harder parts of like pandemic times for sure.
0: Do you think there's a way to make
2: you know, that type
0: of connection will work virtually or do you think there is not?
2: Some people have reported there's this app called Jamulus, which is like apparently very low latency audio singing, made for singing, basically, singing remotely. And some people have said, like, it's it's pretty nice. It's like a pretty good version of, of doing that. But there's just something different and special and magical about like standing with people and like making music with them and like the way it feels when you like hit the last chord and then stop and like the inner like the energy from the audience and or the or the, the group you're playing like singing with it's just I, i'm not sure this you can get m- very close to that
1: are you ready for this big reveal yes i i was in an cappella group in college
2: oh my gosh oh wow I, did Sylvie, I didn't i didn't know that
1: i know i know it's a big reveal plot twist i'm a little tone deaf but it's <laughs> okay, okay. Were, it's okay we knew
2: that i think <laughs> were you the vocal percussionist
1: sometimes okay yeah i can i can do a you know like a terribly uh hacked beatbox but um you're gonna beatbox us out later right oh yeah oh yeah i sang one hand in my pocket that was my solo nice my solo yeah yep there you go
0: you want to give us a little now sylvie or no no
1: no 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 that's later
0: (laughs)
2: we'll we'll rehearse Sylvie. later
1: is never (laughs) okay yeah. I'll
2: learn the base part, part for you. We can do it.
1: All right, all right. We'll try Jamulus.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. So the thing I was th- I was thinking about here is like obviously you have built a company or building a company around helping people do something together hmm. um, that they couldn't really do well before, right? Like if it wasn't really if it's not really low latency and you can't actually have both people controlling the keyboard and all this stuff, like it's not going to work. And then you're in this position where you have this thing that you're so passionate about. Um, and it's like that, how can I, I just kind of wondered, like, if you would be sitting there thinking like, oh, maybe I should build something for this, or is it even possible? Because it's interesting, the difference, right? Like, you know, if we went back 10 years ago, I feel like people would say like, they imagined maybe that people would be like doing Mm. pair programming together. And I kind of feel like people would imagine you could be singing together too. I mean, we all Mm. have like these incredible computers that have, you know, we're recording ourselves all remotely right now, and it's pretty high quality. But it's still there's like a gap there, so that gap is interesting to think about. It's like what is that gap
2: yeah, uh, yeah I mean I guess so for me personally, pairing with someone remotely is about as good as pairing with them in person, and the delta is mostly around well it'd be nice it'd be nice if there was zero latency if you were like literally right here um and it'd be nice if I could kind of see your body language a little bit more and and tell like how engaged you are or or we could go get a we could go like take a break together and and keep maybe keep yeah. talking about the problem but those things are like sort of small compared to the the rest of it but with singing because singing is this like artistic thing i feel like a bunch of it is just like how do i feel while i'm doing this does it feel rewarding and special and the the gap there i think would probably be bigger
0: Yeah, that makes sense, especially if the love is coming from being with people and having the shared experience. I'm not a singer. In fact, I tried out for a cappella in college and couldn't couldn't make it. So I'm definitely not, 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 not good enough. Wait, Um, what
1: was your audition song?
0: I'm not even getting. We're not getting into that. (laughs) (laughs) It's an absolute disaster, Um, a true, true disaster. But like, it's funny because like my equivalent is probably like this sounds so stupid, but like giving a talk. Mm -hmm. And like giving a talk to a room of people and like trying to like get, see how engaged I can get them and teach them and like get them to laugh. And it is definitely, it's weird. It is not the same at all remotely. And there's parts that are way better remotely too, actually, I've found. We'll have these all hands meetings and a lot of different people present. When you're doing that on Zoom, it's actually easier. It's like, all right, yep. Here's these like five different people switching between them. There's no mic failure. There's no confusion about where to look or like how to use someone else's computer or whatever and it's funny we did a one or two all hands meetings like hybrid before delta came and now we're back to like everyone wearing masks in office and like it was like stressful in a different way (laughs) for everybody (laughs) to switch and so it's this weird thing of like yeah part of it is a lot easier remote but i also just miss that like really miss that feeling of getting people excited and getting a, gr- a group of people excited. is like nothing else like it. And I don't know when, how that will happen. That's a, like, I mean, at least it sounds like for you and singing, like people will definitely go to concerts, but I'm like, I'm not sure unless we do full company retreats and have like things at it. Like if we will on a consistent basis, have a giant room full of people.
2: So, so super agree on, on giving talks like same, same thing. I, I need the energy back from the audience. And like I want to do like interactive things anyway with them yeah but actually I've been curious about like what your your plans are or like if you probably don't know but I'm, I'm you've been fully in person and now question mark yes
0: yeah. so we have defined plans and basically it was like pre-pandemic we we're about 10 percent of the team was remote but we had just started to at most of the remote was like to retain people mm. and they were we gonna, they're moving
2: and you wanted to keep them otherwise yes
0: yeah yeah then we had just started to hire people remote, maybe six months before that were like started remote. And as we got bigger, it got easier because like, you know, you're relying on these other systems of Slack and you've all these conferences. You don't know where anyone is. I mean, Wistia be- became this incredibly flexible work environment before COVID. Mm. So that's how I would really describe it as like flexible, mm-hmm. which meant that some people were remote, but on the average Friday, no one's in the office, but a lot of people are working or available. That was mm-hmm. like how it was. Mm-hmm. Now, what we've said is like, we're going to be hybrid. And for us, what that means is you can pick how you want your default working to be. So do you want to be someone who's in the office? Or do you want to be someone who's coming in a little bit, like once or twice a week? Or do you want to be more true remote? And the benefits are different based on those things. So like more of like a home office benefit, if you're fully remote, different travel benefits, if you're fully remote, if you're coming in, you know, once or twice a week you know, a little bit home office, like slightly more commute benefit. And then if you're coming in the office, like, you know, more stuff that's like, you have a desk in the space. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, snacks and all this other stuff. But we're trying to be clear about is like when things are normal and safe, like what do we think is the stuff that's best done in person? Mm-hmm. And try to be really clear to everyone up front, like what this is. So people can make decisions about where they want to live or if they want to mm. join if we're hiring someone's remote. And those things are like, onboarding for new employees, yep. strategic planning, mm-hmm. some you know team building stuff. I know it sounds funny to say, but I think it's actually you have to be intentional and say like bring people together and get to know each other. And like really just trying to get to a place where people can still have a baseline of trust when they're about Because like yep. pre-COVID, anyone who rem- went remote, we met them in person, easy to have trust. COVID happens, we hire a lot of people, like a ton. And they've never had these interactions in person. And I think mm. it makes a big difference to eat a meal with someone and shoot the shit with someone. And as you were saying before, like talk outside of a meeting, you know, we want to kind of embrace, it's almost like above all flexibility, mm. but that means that a lot of our systems have to be remote first.
2: So would you, if you have a manager that is a, like, I'm an in-office person, yeah, are, are, is it okay for them to have a preference to hire in-office people to work with them?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. We, that's kind of how we were dealing with it before. Actually, I missed a piece. I missed a piece that reminded me of a piece, which was, we think that folks earlier in their career benefit more from in-person mentorship. Mm, Yeah. So that's the other thing we've said. We have like a level system at Wistia and like the, yes. And so we're again, once it's normal, but yeah, beyond that, like it doesn't, there shouldn't really be a need because everyone is we've shown we can obviously be super productive remotely and we can hire and all, all over the place and like we can have a strong culture actually. But it's definitely easier to have a strong culture if you have a connection with people in person. Yeah. yeah. But yes, someone could try to do that. But I think we would be saying from a recruiting standpoint, like, let's see if it's easy, great. But like let's make sure that we're not missing talent that's in other places that we should be talking to.
2: That's the thing. So like my my original hope was to have a like co-located company just because i'm i'm very extroverted and like i like that vibe of like a bunch of people in an office and that sounds like really fun to me but like the time when we needed to hire the most there was a global pandemic yes well (laughs) even if we did hire somebody i don't know about you know office time now and um well also we're a a remote collaboration app so it's good to dog food your product That seems good, yeah. (laughs) Um, It'd be weird if if you guys didn't make any videos. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And also, um, we just kept finding people that were amazing that didn't live in Boston. Yeah. The thing I realized I valued even more than that was working with like really amazing people. And like, I want that talent density more than anything. I want to have a team of people where I'm just like, we are, everyone here is just incredible. And I, I love working with these people. They're super competent. They're really warm. They're nice. And there were just a few people that we came across who just didn't live here. And it was like, you know what? It would kind of be a crime to not hire this person. Yeah. And so, yeah, we've, we're just, that's, that's what we're doing. We have two people starting next week and they're, they're both remote. They're, they're going to be full of remote. One in Georgia, one in uh, California. We also have like a, a weirdly niche product. In that, like, it's a desktop app that runs on Mac OS that has real-time components to it. Hiring developers, for example, is just kind of like, it's extra hard for us. I that makes sense. And so opening it up was just even even more sensible.
0: How do you think about that, actually? Because, like, what you do is obviously, it's a niche product, it's a niche product. But, like, the opportunity, I think, is really massive for you. And it makes sense that other people would be thinking about this. Like, Zoom, I would think, is thinking about this and other folks but like you guys seem like you are just so focused mm-hmm. um that this is going to be how you win is like just solving the problem like even better is that how you think about that
2: totally yeah yeah the focus actually is a thing that lets us compete with zoom it's like zoom is just you know a, a behemoth huge footprint in the market everyone knows them but they're not going after this use case in particular and being able to talk about how we have tailored our product for this use case, and for and like uh, and, and care about the things developers care about, like is our wedge, and so people will frequently be like, "Why don't you just say it's also for designers or it's also for stand up or it's it's just like it can just be the one tool?" And it's like, well, like Zoom is actually pretty good at what Zoom does, like hosting in all hands is like they're pretty good at that, but we're better if you're doing this very specific activity. Almost all of our customers add us in addition to something like a zoom and because we say we are for pair programming for for programmers the engineering team can go to finance or the cfo and say we want to buy this thing and they go don't we have zoom already and they go no no that's for video conferencing this is for real-time remote pair programming and they go "Uh, all right whatever the engineers want it fine if we opened up our positioning and just said we're the collaboration tool for remote teams then we're gonna we're fighting Zoom head on, basically. How did you know to do this? How did you know to be this focused? This was so, like, this is a lesson t- that I got through the bootstrapper community, basically. So, like, the, the microconf kind of world. So, I, this is great conference called Microconf for people starting starting kind of like smaller software businesses, I guess. And the sort of niche down advice is kind of canon over there, I guess. And I, and I think it's good, like, especially as a smaller non VC backed kind of operator you would rather operate in a small niche that lets you find customers more easily like it, it, it you want the right person to be like oh this is the exact perfect tool for me even if that segment is not super large it's just funny because I think if you are not a part of maybe if, if you or anyone is not a part of that community and isn't getting that advice it feels like it feels counterintuitive totally yeah yeah you think i want to have as many possible customers as i can i would exactly. want a, a, a trillion dollar addressable market of course obviously because then i only need a small piece of it but then it's just like so much harder to make a good product like as a develop as developers we actually know what developers care about and so i can write things like tuplely uses like very low like cpu and it has very low latency. And we support complex keyboard shortcuts. And these are things that like Zoom just kind of probably won't care about that much ever. Mm-hmm. Like certainly never as much as we do. And that message just resonates so strongly with our audience. And our niche, quote unquote, is still kind of enormous. Like it's, it's, it's scoped down, but like there's a lot of, there's a lot of developers and I think it's been a total key to our success for sure. It's, it's just that positioning, just deciding that no, no, we're for this thing and not and not this more general thing.
0: Yeah, I love that advice. And I, I love that way of thinking. And if you're listening right now, like this is what you need to do. Is like you need to you need to get more focused than you think you should be. The internet has interconnected everything in a way that was like never possible before. And I think like these tiny little these tiny little groups can be enormous on an absolute basis, but really small on a percentage basis. And I, I mean, I think about that a lot. And I feel like a lot of the, the stuff that we've done right and the stuff we've done wrong at Wistia has been like when we make a mistake and we try to be too broad. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, of course, that's too broad at this moment. Like we need to zero back in and it's still po- and it's possible to do that. I feel like a lot of folks are always trying to, uh, exactly as you said, OK, I'm going to make this. I'm going to make an energy drink. Who's it for? Everyone on Earth. Mm. it's like because that's this giant market sounds amazing it's gonna be so delicious it's like mm. yeah that doesn't work but like if you made an energy drink for uh programmers who are using tuple maybe like you'd have a shot
2: totally yeah and th- <laughs> i think that internet connectivity point is like really is really huge like a small seeming niche can still probably make you millions of dollars a year if you do it right like yeah. s- somebody somewhere is going to make a paid community for rotary enthusiasts and you know, I, can't, I can't wait to see that do it. Do a nice job. Make me yeah. nice, on the
0: horizon. Yeah. So. Um, well, I feel like that's the perfect way to round out this episode um, oh. back to the beginning. Um, <laughs> but then um, thank you so much for being here. the super fun and also great to realize just like how long we've known each other. And it's, it's awesome to see what you guys are doing and to see the growth and like the passion and commitment you have. It's, it's just really, it's really great.
2: Likewise. Thank you. I mean, watching what you are all doing is uh is definitely inspiring to us as well i think like your sense of like playfulness in particular has been something that i have sort of tried to steal and copy and uh some props for putting that out there awesome
0: all right thanks for
2: being here and uh i think that's it is that is that
0: it sylvie that's it okay
2: cool that's it
0: nailed it
1: That was lovely.
0: Yes, it was. And I I keep I, saying lovely. You do. You really, you really I'm, seem to love that interview. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was just like um, it had, you know, every interview has a different energy and it had like a very um, sort of like breezy energy to it. Like, oh, yeah, we're chopping it up.
0: Yeah. Like easy, chopping breezy, beautiful.
1: Cover girl. Cover yep. Ben.
0: It's amazing how the jingle stay in there. Yeah. Cover Ben. Um, cover Ben. Yeah. I, I just think it was cool, too, that like the starting the interviews with t- talking about what people are talking too loud and like almost like that. I mean, everyone can't see this because it's not all. We're not releasing the video of this. I don't know why. Of Ben's <laughs> face. When, oh, my God. When he's like, like rotaries. And I was th- and I'm like, oh, my gosh, is this guy of like rotary phones? Is that what we're about to hear is like the guy who builds tech to connect people together remotely is into no, rotary dude. phones. He's no.
1: talking about the road rotaries. Yes, road rotaries. It was actually so funny to hear him talk about that as a newish driver. I can't even say I'm a newish driver because I still don't have my license. Wow, well you're but getting there.
0: You're getting there, Sylvie.
1: Rotaries. Prior to this interview, rotaries gave me panic attacks. I'm just like, oh no, oh geez. But he made it sound so exciting and delightful. I can't wait. I can't wait for my first rotary. It is
0: weird. I feel like rotaries are it's something that people are afraid of. They just, it feels yeah. like scary for yeah. no, and his point being like, you're not going to get no in reason. bad. You're not, I your know. accents are going to be a lot safer because yeah. of the way it works. And you're like, oh, wow. I know. That's And you're telling me that I'm never have to wait for red light again. Like, that's what I'm telling you. There's no more red Dude, lights in this world.
1: If you have rotary phobia, listen to this episode. This it's is gonna the blow your mind. Yeah,
0: especially we want to tell people this now in the outro. Yeah, now. If you're really outro- afraid of rotaries in a car, I need to tell you, if you can hear me, please rewind because i know you skipped the outro <gasps> rewind. rewind to the beginning you don't even rewind anymore i guess it's just drag the scroll wheel like yeah it's just, scroll it's just,
1: scroll it back
0: this is senseless we've lost control we've lost control, we've lost control. Simply, i don't know what's happening anymore
1: okay <laughs> what's happening is in addition to rotaries being a scintillating point of of discussion I also, um, the, the the thing that I, the thing that was clicking for me was like this idea. Is it niche or niche? I, I don't know.
0: You know what's really funny is that um, we had an enormous debate about this at Wistia. Did you? Because I said, niche? used to say niche. And yeah. then a lot of people were like, no, it's niche. Because like in the brand affinity marketing playbook, we talk about you have to pick a niche. And I was told... Uh, That this is like niche is like the more universally used version of the word. But this is literally how episode two of Show Business starts on this exact topic. Yes. Like this is like, this has been, yeah.
1: It absolutely does. Well, Ben said niche. I think I say niche. Either way, the fact that Tuple is made for programmers and he was talking about like starting niche and staying niche. Now that word just has lost all meaning but focus that was another yeah that was another word that we used staying that focused it was such an interesting sort of approach to like the beginning of the business and then to like carry that through and you you seem to be like pretty impressed with it as well like I don't know like does is Wistia similar in that sense like
0: yeah yes we're definitely similar I think the thing that I'm impressed with is like This was not a thing that was talked about when we were starting. Like, that was not clear. In fact, it's almost like it's just a byproduct of like the markets for everything are so much bigger now. And they're bigger because that runs interconnected and every little group can be on an absolute basis, like massive audience. But it felt like we were constantly, we were constantly dealing with this challenge of like, should we go broader? Should we get more focused? And it was like broad focus, broad focused. And the lesson over and over is like, the spaces are often way bigger than you can fathom. And it's being focused is how you win. And even sometimes things that look really broad are still really focused.
1: Stay focused.
0: Stay focused on that niche and watch out for the niche. Come around the corner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. We should remind our listeners to like and subscribe.
0: Yes. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Send us your feedback. We want your feedback. We want your voice memos. You can send those to TTLpod at Wistia.com and leave a review. If you're liking the show, leave a review. We love love reviews. The most wild review that we see in the next few weeks, we'll read it on there. Great. Okay. All right. Bye, Sylvie.
1: Talking Too Loud is brought to you by Wistia, hosted by Chris Savage, produced by me, Sylvie Lubau, along with Adam Day, executive produced by Wistia Studios. Listen to Talking Too Loud wherever you listen to podcasts. And hey, rate and review us wherever you listen. And check out more content from Wistia Studios at wistia.com.